Chambercast, the Billings Chamber of Commerce podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Pennington. And today we're going to be discussing a pretty controversial subject for our community. Recently, the superintendent of Billings Public Schools released a statement requiring masks for the school year in an effort to keep students and staff safe with the current rise in cases of COVID Delta variant. The Billings Chamber maintains its support of Superintendent Upham, the medical professional community, and the scientific evidence indicating that masking and vaccinations help to slow the virus, keeping our community safe and our businesses thriving. Also, we want to make sure you know, if you're a regular listener, that this episode is going to be a little bit longer than normal. So hang in there with us today for this important topic. Today, we're going to talk about all of these things with three guests, Dr. Michelle Pearson, Interim Chief Medical Officer and a Pediatrician at Billings Clinic, Greg Upham, Superintendent of Billings Public Schools, and Sean Lynch, owner of the live music and events venue, Pub Station. And he's also the president of Meva Rocky Mountain, which is the National Independent Venue Association. Thank you so much, all of you, for taking the time out of your busy schedules today to be with us. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Awesome. So we are a year and a half into this COVID thing, and it has been wreaking havoc on our lives and changing everything as we know it. We had a brief moment of light this last summer, but now it seems like things are amping up again. And the most recent report is that numbers have been growing exponentially each week since the beginning of July. So with cases increasing and all the talk around the water cooler and on social media about the two hottest topics, and that are vaccinations and masking. So that's what we're going to try to address today. So we're going to start with you, Dr. Pearson. Can you give us a brief summary of your background and your credentials before we jump right into some questions? Sure, absolutely. My name is Michelle Pearson. I am a physician, a pediatrician. I've been in the community for almost 17 years, actually back in the community. I'm born and raised here in Billings, oh, so good. I came back home. I am currently serving at the Billings Clinic as the interim chief medical officer. So I've been in that leadership role for a few months now and it's been, as you say, a very interesting time in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So being in this community this long, I've experienced quite a few things in terms of the health environment in the hospital, but uh, certainly nothing like this. And it's, yeah. been, it's been a trial for sure for, for physicians, for our staff. And, you know, initially very busy, all pulled together. This next wave right now that mm-hmm. we're through, just it feels a little different, but we're pulling together as a staff working through it, it just, it's, it's fatiguing. That's for sure. But we've got it. We've got the, the health community is rallying together and we're, we're still there for the community to take care of their needs. So when you say it feels different, what do you mean? You know, I would say initially, um, there was a lot of fanfare around, you know, pulling together mm-hmm. as a community around, uh, the healthcare workers. We had a lot of people that were, I think there was the howl for the healthcare uh, yeah. workers. There was a lot of support, uh, healthcare heroes. And we still feel that from a lot of people, but we're also dealing with just a lot of the divisiveness yeah. currently in the community. And uh, our, our providers, our, our nursing staff are dealing with patients that are just more aggressive oh, okay. and angry coming in sometimes to the, the healthcare environment and just trying to offer care in a in an evidence-based manner mm-hmm. for some people is difficult to hear yeah. and there's a lot of uh, strong opinions out there so it's just hard to navigate some of those discussions with patients now who are just fatigued themselves and 
uh, just meeting those patients where they're at has just been more challenging. So it feels mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned just some of the facts and scientific evidence for things. Can you talk about just that in particular about vaccinations and masking? I think there's Absolutely. just a lot of things out there that people are hearing and it's hard to know what to believe and what to trust. So if you could maybe clear that up for some people and for our listeners, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. So you mentioned the two top subjects, vaccines and masking, and certainly those are our best defense that we have right now mm-hmm. against the virus, and especially this Delta variant that we're seeing emerge in the last mm-hmm. uh, few weeks. The vaccines have been now FDA approved, the mm-hmm. Pfizer vaccine for ages 16 and older. That approval first went into place in December. And the process by which the FDA goes through their review and studies and things of that nature is very rigorous. And I think for some, it's been a little unnerving at the speed as which, mm-hmm. at which these vaccines were approved. And it doesn't mean that that speed means that corners were cut. Mm-hmm. Corners were not cut. The amount of people that had to be enrolled in these reviews and studies was, mm-hmm. was the same We know by vaccine history in the past, we've been doing vaccination efforts since the 50s with Dr. Salk Mm -hmm. and the polio vaccine. We know that um, if there's going to be an adverse effect from a vaccine, it's usually within the first six weeks. Oh, okay. And so the fact that these vaccines have been out now for many months and we have a rigorous reporting system for these vaccines and we're not seeing evidence to support some of the claims out there. There's always side effects that are reported. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we have to look at those side effects and dig deep and see if there's an actual correlation to the vaccine. And we haven't proven a lot Mm -hmm. of things with that. There are three vaccines that are approved in the United States. So FDA approval for Pfizer for 16 and older. We have the Moderna vaccine Mm -hmm. for 16 and older. There's an emergency use authorization for Pfizer down to age 12. Oh, and I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. So Pfizer has been uh, down to age 12 now. Okay. So 12 and up can get vaccinated. And then uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine right. yeah. continues to be 18 and older. And I would imagine, okay, so we're in a pandemic. We're going to speed up the process, have more people working on it, developing the vaccines. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that seems like that would be the case. That's why it could be developed faster. It's because of need. Exactly. So typically... Drug companies don't make a ton of money on vaccines. I've been, I'm, as a pediatrician, I've been giving vaccines out yeah. my entire yeah. career. And these always tend to be a loss leader um, product for a, for a drug company because of the amount of trials and research that has mm-hmm. to go into, for all drugs really, mm-hmm. but for vaccines, especially for children. So the losses that are incurred by these drug companies um, have to be made up for if we speed up the process. So the government put a lot, the federal government um, offered a lot of money Mm -hmm. to be able to get these vaccines out, knowing that this would be our biggest defense against this SARS virus for the community. So there was a lot of excitement when these first Mm -hmm. came out and then some skeptic skepticism has developed, which is completely understandable. Mm -hmm. I answer a lot of questions from parents every week when we offer their two month old infant, four month old infant, a shot in their leg, three shots in mm-hmm. their leg. Yeah. And it's tough conversations mm-hmm. for parents yeah. to have. They, you know, what is this about? A lot of people have accepted vaccines for, for a long time, but you always mm-hmm. wonder as a parent, I mean, yep. are we doing the right thing? And, and you are. 
Greg, you looked like you had a comment. Did you want to share something? No, I, I think Dr. Pearson just explained some of the challenges with, with vaccinations mm -hmm. and we've had them for years and years. And we just have to remind ourselves that, you know, polio, measles, mumps, rubella, all of that are vaccines. And this is another vaccine and we shouldn't put more into it than it is. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. it's another vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Do you want to touch on the mask portion of that? I've heard sure. some people say masks are only 10% efficient, like they only work 10%. I don't know where that number is coming from, if there's some study out there, but maybe you could address yeah. that. There's been multiple uh, attempts at, at different studies, observational studies in different school districts in the East when we had our surge in October, November, mm -hmm. December. There were some studies done. The difficult thing with doing a mask study, and anytime you're setting up a study as a scientist, mm -hmm. you want to remove as many variables as mm -hmm. possible and look at a single variable. So it's difficult to isolate mask oh, as so a many variable because there's all these other variables. So you develop a hypothesis. I don't mm -hmm. know. We'll go back to high school yeah. science here. You develop a hypothesis and you go about trying to prove it. Mm -hmm. And often some of these studies result in sort of a null hypothesis. I don't know if you remember, if you can't prove your hypothesis, it becomes null. If you mm -hmm. guys remember yeah. that from science. So, that was um, a long time ago, but yeah. Right. Kind of. <laughs> right? But having a null hypothesis does not mean that it's not true. It just means you couldn't prove it. Right. Okay. Beyond a, but statistically. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's been some studies that have statistically not been significant. It's mm -hmm. shown a decline by yeah. such and such percent, but not statistically significant. So the hypothesis is null. Right. Those studies are being touted as, well, then it, that means that masks don't work. And that's, if you look at it from the perspective of common sense with masking, similar to if, you know, here in Montana, we're used to going out in sub-zero cold weather. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you want to protect yourself against the 40 below, yeah. you put on a coat. Mm -hmm. If you want to protect others from your saliva and your nasal secretions, you put on a coat. Mm -hmm. And that's in the form of a mask. Mm -hmm. And so it makes common sense, but it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one to prove. Right, right. That makes sense. Anyone else have a Yeah, I, I think following up on that, what I've tried to do, and it seemed to be it seemed to be effective in my communications with Facebook lives. Mm -hmm. I think I've done 86. Yes. Um, total. And they were long, but they were awesome. Yeah. And, and there was 1.8 million hits on those. Oh, wow. So what I tried to do in that communication was this is what we know, or this is what I know now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when last year, we went to school when we weren't supposed to go to school, mm -hmm. right? And, and we were a large district. And so, you know, why did we make that decision? Well, sat down with Dr. Koo from Billings Clinic, John Felton, and we started mm -hmm. working through, you know, can we do this? And, mm -hmm. and masking was a big part of that. And they said, so we took a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. We said, okay, if, if, if we, can, we can mask and we can contact Trace and we can be effective with it, mm -hmm. then I think we need to at least try. Yeah. And, you know, starting the year last year, not this year, last year, uh, there was a lot of fear, a lot of trepidation, mm -hmm. you know, delay the school, don't go, mm -hmm. we can't do this. And we just said, I think we have to try. And, you know, as time went on, we were in three and four weeks and pretty soon people were like, well, you know, I, I, well, because this going to happen. And, and we just kept doing it mm -hmm. day by day and week by week. And then pretty soon it was, it shifted from, can we do this to we're doing mm -hmm. this? And then in the November, December timeline, it was like, are you going to shut down? Right. And we said, no, we're, 
We're yeah. okay. We're, mm-hmm. we're watching this. Okay. Well, why are we okay? Mm-hmm. What do we know now? Why are we okay? Well, masking must have done something, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because yeah. if there's one commonality that I think we can all find in this division that we're experiencing right now is everybody wants to be in school and stay in mm-hmm. school, right? So masking must be doing something because mm-hmm. I hear both sides. Well, it doesn't work and well, it works. And well, obviously it's doing something. Mm-hmm. So it, we stayed in school and that's the same thing we're trying to do now with a much more aggressive virus, right? Yeah. So that, that's what, you know, as far as, as, as the part right now is, what do we know now? Well, we know we stayed in school when, when mm-hmm. a lot of others didn't go. And, and maybe if they would have looked at us, we're, we're roughly mm-hmm. 17,000 students, a little less right now. We did some things right. And not just a lot of other schools, most other schools. Yeah. I have friends in Kansas and Oregon and Washington. And when I would tell them, oh, yeah, our kids are going to school, they're wearing masks and it's going OK. They're like, I can't believe you guys are in school. I mean, right. it was rare. I would second that because I was on calls nationally with people three times Mm -hmm. a week last year, and we were the only people Mm -hmm. on that call that had kids going to school in those school districts anywhere. And people were blown away Mm -hmm. at the fact that we were doing that. So we're very lucky. And I don't think people recognize how lucky we are as a community that our kids were able to go to school for a full year last Mm -hmm. year. Even other communities in Montana did not put them into school until later in spring. But the fact that we did a full school year then everybody looked back and said, oh, maybe we should have done that. So I think that there's a lot of, I wouldn't say regret, but I think that there were some choices that were made in certain communities that they're yeah. looking back on saying we could have mitigated that yeah. risk. And obviously, you know, I think that John Felton put this put this out correctly. You know, I mean, there, there's a public health is more than just COVID. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what's the repercussions of a student not going to school Absolutely. for a year mm-hmm. versus the risk of them going to school mm-hmm. with the potential to get COVID, that year of loss of not having that in person, not having that interaction with those students, not having that portion mm-hmm. there is far, far outweighs the risk of COVID in a lot of those situations. But I can tell you for sure that I didn't, there was not a single person on a call, which was between you know, 75 and 200 people pretty frequently on these Zoom calls. There was not a single person on there that kids were going to school. Yeah. You know, I wanted to address a little bit about some of the arguments we hear is that, you know, the science and, and what we're seeing in this, the COVID reactions from kids is that they don't get as sick. So why do we have to mask kids? They seem fine. They seem to handle the virus okay. And to that, I would say, for the most part, Yes, we're seeing kids that, and, and many adults actually that get COVID do okay with the virus, but this new Delta variant is much more contagious mm-hmm. and we are seeing an increase of the virus in kids in the South, which is about a month or so ahead of us in this mm-hmm. current Delta wave. They're seeing an increase in hospitalizations among children too. And, and even actually in the critical care units. So they're seeing kids that are actually needing to be intubated. Yeah. And even some death, more deaths mm-hmm. attributed to COVID. So I think now with this Delta variant, it's getting a little bit more serious among the pediatric yes. population than the wild type mm-hmm. coronavirus that we had 18 months ago. You know, additionally, there is some outcomes from coronavirus that have been pretty serious. And we've seen actually here in our community, the multi-inflammatory yep. system response mm-hmm. that we've had a couple of patients have that, that we've had to send out to Mm-hmm. quaternary care in, in Denver or Salt Lake City. So we have seen some serious outcomes from COVID. And remember, kids are vectors of viruses. Mm-hmm. 
if we can mitigate the transmission among the pediatric population, that will help with the adult population. Oh, absolutely. As well. Anecdotally, I know masking, we know that we felt it last year. It made a difference. I can tell from a pediatrician standpoint, I didn't see influenza last year. Mm -hmm. I didn't see RSV last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, The parents of my patients who are teachers told me they weren't as sick Mm -hmm. last year Mm -hmm. as they were in years previous. This is all anecdotal, Mm -hmm. but... I can tell you, I didn't, I didn't get sick once last year. Well, and not to mention, I, m- my friend is a teacher and she lives in Tennessee. She listens to this podcast, so she'll know I'm talking about her. <laughs> so she was exposed in her classroom, had to go home, quarantine, took a test. It was negative, went back to school, got exposed, had to quarantine. So it's not just about, you know, our kids getting sick. It's the exposure of everyone in the classroom. It's the exposure of the teacher. It's the exposure of, so it's, it's bigger than just uh, one student or a couple of students. It, it has ramifications. I was going to say even past that, the the repercussions that go past that child portion, Mm -hmm. if your students are out of school, that means their parents Mm -hmm. are out of school watching their kids, which means they're not at the job which we can't even fill right now. Yeah. So the re- the long-term repercussions on this are so much deeper than just a student wearing a mask. It's uh, it's so deep and people don't see that sometimes. And I, I guess I still don't quite understand why we wouldn't do everything we could to protect our children. So that's really mm-hmm. difficult for me to wrap yeah. my head around sometimes. Greg, do you want to talk about that masking decision, how that came about? And I know there's just some yeah, controversy think, around it. So Yeah, I think the perfect example to use would be Skyview football. So we get six active cases from Wednesday to Friday. Mm-hmm. There's 80 members on the football team. So we just do the math in this, because this is a perfect example of what we're just talking about. Two cases on Wednesday, three cases on Thursday, one case on Friday. So there's 74 other players that are going to walk into Skyview High School that could have been exposed, probably were exposed, and we don't know if they're symptomatic, asymptomatic. We have no masks, and we're not contact tracing. So walk 74 football players into a student body of 1,800 without any controls. I'm going to say that again. So Mm -hmm. 74 players could have and probably were exposed to six active confirmed cases Mm -hmm. from Wednesday to Friday afternoon Mm -hmm. and mixed with 1,800 students. Mm -hmm. All in different classes, all going in their separate ways. And, all, and those yeah. students go to the career center. High school mm-hmm. students go to the career center. And all students from senior and west, a lot of students go to the career center. So they go back to senior and west. And then they have siblings. Just do the math. I mean, it's so simple, right? So just to, just to ask to mask, if we weren't going to mask. And I, and I struggled with that decision. And, and I've used a lot of people around me, as many as you possibly can, and when, and I told our activities director, Mark Wall, I said, Mark, watch our activities before school mm-hmm. starts. If we're going to see it, we'll see it there. And sure enough, mm-hmm. and, and thank goodness that the parents went and had their children tested yeah. because we're not contact tracing yeah. this year like we were last year, but we are sending notification letters that say your child may have been exposed to a yeah. person with an active case. You know, here are the signs. Here's help. Here's who you call right. so that we can make people aware. What I was trying to do as a superintendent was establish procedures and protocols that we could carry out for years to come. Mm-hmm. Because the argument is, hey, this thing is going to be here forever. Okay, I get that. 
But what we need to get and what others need to get is we have 8,000, roughly 8,000 students that aren't eligible for a vaccination. Mm-hmm. And frankly, we're at 29, 30% of those that are eligible. Mm-hmm. So yep. of the roughly 17,000 students that we have, 13,000 are not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So I then reached out to a superintendent in Mississippi. Someone had sent me an email, a medical researcher and said, might want to check this out. Rough start is what, there was a link, rough start. So I called Superintendent Lupkin in Mississippi, who had done the same thing we had done the year before. Smaller district, but same size schools, which was interesting. Just didn't have as many. Mm-hmm. Went, went the entire year, live instruction. Everybody was celebrating. Great, nice job, just like we are right now. And then started the year without masks and within five days had shut down, had mm-hmm. gone into a hundred and some cases. Yeah. And he told me, he said, Greg, this is like Sunday afternoon or Monday when he called me. We did a Zoom actually. And he said, I'm telling you, this Delta is a different game. It's mm-hmm. a different game changer. So note, right? Watch this. Watch this. It's going to move faster. Mm-hmm. So again, the Skyview, 76 players walking into a student body yeah. with nothing. No, that's mm-hmm. just, yeah. it's reckless and it's irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And so we have to at least try something. Mm-hmm. We can't be overconfident saying, well, we did this last year. Well, how did we do it? Well, we wore masks. Yeah. And we contact trace and we're not contact tracing like we were. And Riverstone Health is, 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 is supporting that, but they're further behind. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's even unsettling yeah. sharing that right now. And now we're masked up. We feel better. Our, at the end of our first week, we had 49 cases, mm-hmm. student cases, 12 staff cases. At our peak last year, we had 71. Okay. So this is week one at mm-hmm. 49. Yeah. And I'll look at our numbers for this last week. And I know that they've, they've gone again, not SD2 numbers, but our community yes. numbers. You know, so it, it's, it's, it didn't take an enormous amount of thought. I mean, mm-hmm. let, me, let me rephrase that. It did. But, but the variables are pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So do we want to go to school? Yes. Do we want to stay in school? Yes. Okay, we're not contact tracing like we were before. Okay, what then we're not going to mask? Eh. I mean, I don't yeah. want to be overly dramatic, but yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Pearson said, this is common sense. Yeah. And we have to ride this wave out. And we we did unmask last summer for summer school. We served about oh, probably close to 2000 students K12, mm-hmm. and we wanted to unmask to see what was going to happen. And there were some physicians in town that said, no, I think you should keep the mask on. I thought, we have to try again yeah. to see if this, and, and frankly, now, mind you, the positivity rates and the number of viruses were very low, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. and we didn't run into many situations at all. And starting the year, no one wanted a mask. Who, mm-hmm. who wants to put a blanket on when it's 106 degrees, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that, but. And, and the mentality that it's that it's somehow going backwards. You know, everyone wants to believe that we're moving forward. And so masking seems like we're going backwards, but the case count says we're not, I mean, it just is what it is. So I mean, you have to do what you have to do. So. And I want, I want to address that because that's a conversation we're having nationally with venues right now is that there's some perception that this is going to go away. Mm -hmm. And the reality is this is going to be with us for the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. forever. And I think it's just a different 
you know, we got to start talking about mitigation versus it's going to go away and then we can just proceed with life the way it was yeah. before. Life is going to be different after this, no matter how you do this. But this virus is never going away, even to the point to where it's been brought up to me, where the flu virus that we deal with right now is still part of the 1918 Spanish flu. Some of that is mm -hmm. still a variant yeah. from 1918 Spanish flu. So the thought that COVID-19 is going to miraculously go away at some point in time is, is a fairy tale. And I think all of us as a community need to wrap our heads around, it's gonna be here forever. How do we deal with this in a way that doesn't overwhelm our hospitals, overwhelm, overwhelm our healthcare workers, uh, and put the strain on them because they're really the ones that are dealing with the brunt of this. But it still um, allows us to do the things that, that we need that's to do, correct, like you go know. to school. Yeah, and so. for the, at least on the music industry side, we've started to take a different approach because we were brought into this situation years ago when they started having active shooters at concerts. Mm -hmm. So the moment that that yeah. happened, everything changed yeah. for us. And it, back 15 years ago, 20 that's years ago, example. when this happened, everybody's like, oh my, you know, are they going to make us walk through metal detectors? Are they going to, yeah. We are, you know, I mean, that's what we do 20 years later. People just expect it at this point in time, but we've mitigated a risk that was there previously. This is just another risk that we're mitigating. And I, I just need, it's, it's a very difficult conversation to have with certain, yeah. especially venues and people because yeah. they don't want to hear that it's never going away, but yeah. they need, they need mm -hmm. to hear that because it's just factually correct. And we as a community and as a whole world at this point in time, just have to figure out how we are going to make this, you know, at some point in time, COVID is going to come from a pandemic to an endemic. We don't know what that number is. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling, unfortunately, it's going to be higher than we think it is just because of vaccine hesitancy, other things that are out there. I think that endemic number is going to be higher, but there is going to be a part where it just becomes part of our normal lives that we're dealing with COVID. We're probably getting a booster shot every five to seven years or whatever it is to, to mitigate these things no differently than the flu. But it's just a, it's a mentality. I think that there's a mentality like when they're saying you're moving backwards. We're not moving backwards. Mm -hmm. We're moving forward. It's just always going to be here. How do we deal with it moving forward? And I, yeah. it's a it's a tough conversation to have because mm -hmm. people just don't want to hear it. But it's factually correct. Greg, do you want to just give your response to what happened yesterday? So I'll just fill in our listeners. Governor Gianforte released an emergency rule yesterday urging Montana's public schools to consider parents' requests for students to opt out of mask mandates. Some of the verbiage was school districts should consider parental concerns and should provide an opt-out system. And then you issued a response to that. Do you want to just comment on that? Yeah. When we looked at the, at the communique, it's, it should, it's not shall mm -hmm. or must. And so when we, when we reviewed the information, we reviewed it with our legal counsel. And also all AA schools are working in conjunction with each other. We have a very strong network of communication and, and we communicate at this point in time, weekly on Wednesday mornings. Uh, sometimes we make it, sometimes we don't, but we all took a look at it mm -hmm. and our legal counsels took a look at it. And we said, it, this is more permissive than anything. And we'll gladly take those ideas or those points into consideration and move forward. But it didn't alter any of us mm -hmm. uh, as far as the mask mandate. We are trying to make sure that we make it through school, you know, and stay in school. And, and we realize, and I've said this publicly too, we can't mask forever. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't, but we are in a spike and we have, you know, thousands of students that are not vaccinated. And so for the safety of everyone to get through this spike and get us back down to where we can function, um, we will mask. But it, yeah, in response to the to the governor's position, we, we recognize that, but we're just not 
we're not going to alter the course because there isn't anything in there that says we have to alter the course. Right. So right. we'll keep doing the precautionary measures that we have in place. There's a lot of talk in the news that the Delta variant has a very shorter, much higher, but shorter spike. Is there a possibility of at some point during the school year, if things settle down, that we rescind the mask mandate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're looking at the four criteria that have been established by the Unified Health Command, the positivity rate, the number of cases for school-aged children, number of cases for overall. Uh, we'll look at our, our cases themselves, because last year, the positivity rate in Yellowstone County was going through the roof, mm -hmm. and I was being called saying, are you going to close schools? And I was looking at our schools, and we were just... We yeah. were just fine. Yeah. We were this insulated little little community mm -hmm. because we were masked up and we were distanced and we were cohorting and we yeah. were doing a lot of a lot of good work. I think we didn't even realize all of the good work we were mm -hmm. doing, honestly. Um, so we were insulated from the outside. We won't be as insulated from the outside because we've lessened some of those restrictions. But yeah, it. You know, you really have to look at it. It's not like if the positivity rate reaches 5%, right. all masking right. goes away. Right. You know, you can't do that because you could have factors. a school that has, mm -hmm. you know, eight active cases in it or seven in right. a classroom or something like that. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll watch those indicators. I'll share that on Thursday's Facebook Live. There, I have about eight or nine variables that we're looking at. But yeah, we want to get the masks off as soon as we can yeah. too. That's yeah. absolutely the truth. Yeah. Just to comment on the quick up, quick down mm -hmm. um, yeah. Delta variant patterns that we're seeing throughout the the rest of the world, is it it is a quick up and then kind of comes down. It just doesn't go to the level that we had before. It oh, kind of it. stagnates okay. about mm -hmm. halfway down. Yeah. Okay. And so we'll see probably cases through the winter, along with the other respiratory viruses, sort of smoldering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to end by touching on um, the reason why the Chamber of Commerce is involved. So we have a lot of listeners, a lot of business members that are like, why are you, why does it matter? Like, why are we talking about masking in school? Sean, would you maybe talk about why the Chamber is involved in this? Because you're on our executive board and why it matters to the business community. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious if people haven't thought about it, you can drive down Grand Avenue and I swear every single sign has help wanted at $16 an hour and they can't get anybody to work there. So the moment that you take students and people out of students out of school in particular, I brought this up earlier, you're going to take those parents out of the work pool. Mm -hmm. And our work pool is so shallow as it is right now, we can't get anybody to work. So if, if people don't see the repercussions that are going to happen on that, when students are out, parents are home, they're not at work. They're not an active member of this community as far as that working side. And that is a huge struggle. And I would say that the number one comment from all of our members is that they can't find workforce. Mm -hmm. I mean, hands down, that is the comment that's made. We have an insanely low unemployment rate here, and we just do not have people filling that that void there. So if you want to know why Chamber of Commerce isn't there, because the repercussions of kids being out of school is far greater than just kids being out of school, quote unquote. It, mm -hmm. it, the, I mean, the ripple effect is humongous. Yeah. I, I think businesses would start closing down. You're already seeing it where people are closed on Monday, not doing stuff in the morning, closing at eight. Because currently right now, they can't even fill what they have just for the hours that they have. Right. So you will just see services just continue to shrink and shrink and shrink and businesses go out of, out of business because they cannot staff. This is true. There's plenty of people that are trying to expand and trying to move forward because their business is good. They just don't have any workers. Right. Anything that we can do to make sure that workers stay in the workforce and push businesses forward, we're going to support that. And this is a humongous portion of that. Mm -hmm. So how can, I mean, you kind of, we've been talking about the things that we can do, but 
I guess there's that question of, you know, risk management. So we're talking about the risk of people's health and safety, but we're also talking about the risk of our businesses and economic stability. So there has to be some sort of a balance or sweet spot between, you know, completely shutting down and going back to lockdown and the other extreme where we're not masking, we're not vaccinating, we're not doing anything. So what what would be maybe your recommendations, not just for the community at large, but specifically for the business community? Like what is that sweet spot? Get your vaccine. I mean, let's just sum it up to like, you know, this is the same for concerts. It's the same for everything. You're seeing artists that are not playing events unless they can show a vaccine, Mm -hmm. proof of vaccine or a negative test because they want to keep their crowd safe. They want to keep their crew safe. They want to keep everybody safe. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to see shutdowns in this industry anymore. It's been 15 months of mandated closure around the United States. They're absolutely not going to do that, but we're going to do whatever's safe. Mm -hmm. What that means for Montana, because we're not allowed as a business to check for vaccines or check Mm -hmm. for testing is that you're just going to start missing out on some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. at least in the, in the entertainment world, they're just going to look at Montana and go, how we're driving through. And to be clear, Dr. Pearson, that getting a vaccination doesn't keep you from getting COVID, right? It does not keep you from getting COVID. What it does is lessen your chances of having to go to the hospital, of it being a severe case. Do you want to touch on that? Absolutely. So vaccination is our best defense against this virus, including the Delta virus. And any vaccine is not 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a certain percentage of a breakthrough infection that we expect with all vaccines, including mm-hmm. measles, mumps, rubella, and all the rest. The reason why we don't see measles and mumps, rubella is because 90 plus percent mm-hmm. of the population has been vaccinated against it. So we just have this herd immunity yeah. Yeah. and we don't see it anymore. Wild type measles, right. we just don't hear of it mm-hmm. except for in the developing world. So we need to get vaccination rates up above 80%. For us to enjoy some herd immunity. Yes, coronaviruses are here to stay. They have been around for ever. Um, (laughs) This COVID-19 virus will continue to mutate until we have hosts that are immune, competent, vaccinated, and their immune systems is fighting it off. The virus does not mutate in the air. It mutates in a host. And the host has to be vaccinated. Yeah, Yeah, makes sense. Is there any last comments Things we didn't touch on that you'd like to say, follow up with, finish yeah. off with. You know, I think, I mean, we're all COVID weary, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, I don't want to hear the word COVID again. <laughs> I know one of the things that helped me last year with just decision making was the fact that you had to accept that we were in a pandemic. I, I'll never forget being at the top of my stairs, getting ready to leave my house and had made the decision that we were going to go back to school. That was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a, a scary decision. And you just, we have to accept that this is here and stop fighting it. Mm-hmm. And the Delta came back, right? And it came back with a vengeance or it came here with a vengeance. If we keep fighting it, then we'll keep staying divided and we'll see the angry patient. We'll see the angry person on the, on the street. We have to give ourselves a little bit of grace. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to work through the Delta. We're, we're climbing the peak of the Delta. We're angry about it. Yes. We're not running from it. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do the best we can with, with where we are. But in, unless we just accept that this is where we are and, and, and not understand that, then we'll continue to just be mad, right? And being mad is not the solution. 
it doesn't fix anything. You know, you get to be mad for five minutes. And then after that, you have to get over it and you have to start looking for solutions. You really do. And we found solutions and we'll continue to find solutions. Vaccines is one of them. And we need to accept that if not everybody gets vaccinated, then what? Right. So it comes for me when I when I look at all this, I'm a then what person. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we don't get the herd immunity. Okay, then what? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we don't mask in schools. Okay, then what? Right. I mean, one, you have to accept it. And two, you have to ask yourself the question. Okay, then what? Mm-hmm. Then we'll experience wave after wave after wave after yeah. wave. I mean, really, what's the end game? Yeah. I think that's what we all have to answer. We personally and professionally is, okay, all right, then what? Yeah. Right? That's where I'm yeah. at. Yeah. Okay, then what? Okay, well, then what is we're going to do everything in our power, not to just go to school, but to stay in school. Mm-hmm. So that answers that question. Yeah. And I think that you said something that I tell people a lot recently, and that is, Everyone is doing the best they can. If you can just believe about someone else, they're doing the best that they can with what they have. We all are. This We've never gone through this before. And so, like you said, we just have to have grace for each other and know that everyone really is doing the best they can. So you guys are awesome. I always finish up um, my podcast with Rorschach questions. Um, our listeners know this. I know that this is a heavy topic, but we still want to end with those because... I don't want you guys to leave and be like, well, that was a fun podcast with the Chamber of Commerce. So I'm going to ask you all a question and then you just answer the first response that comes to you. Um, And we'll start with you, Dr. Pearson. So the first question is, what is your favorite fall activity in Billings, Montana? Oh, I love the fall. You know, I grew up here, as I said, and raised my kids here. And my favorite was going to the zoo in the fall mm. and walking around yeah. the zoo with the leaves changing and just spending time outdoors. It's a good place and, to be. Yes. Yeah. Loved it. Greg. It's, it's college game day. Yeah. There you college go. Football live or on television. <laughs> I mean, I am smiling from ear to ear. It's like, okay, I can make it through this pandemic as yeah. long as college game day starts on mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's me that's all awesome. to a T. <laughs> Sean. I'm a little easier. I just like, walking around parks or walking around buildings just in general, especially in fall. So I could skip that in summer, but I'm happy to do that in fall. So, so with all that's going on, my second question is what are you doing to take care of your mental health right now? Yeah. I, I appreciate the response that Greg just gave us about how we're responding to the pandemic because it is, it's a loss and with loss comes Mm -hmm. a grief process Mm -hmm. and we're all still grieving. And some of us are in the anger phase. How do we cope? How do we cope with loss? How do we cope with grief? How do we cope during this time? And for me personally, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. So I spend a lot of time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that just grounding into that really yeah. gets me through. Yeah. Greg? It's simple. It's working out. <laughs> I, it is. I'm serious. It's, yeah. it's, it gets me through. Yeah. 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 For sure. Sean? For me, it, I have a weekly call with peers around the United States and just hearing the same, you know, it was refreshing yeah. for me to realize that we weren't an isolated incident. There's many people that are not and mm-hmm. being able to bounce that off of peers that are in the similar situation, I think is really, uh, it helps my mental capacity because mm-hmm. you always think you're taking it on all yourself. And a lot of times yeah. to just find out that other people are taking that on as well as really is a relief to a point. We so appreciate you guys being here. This is a hard topic. It's, it's just, especially right now, 
uh, hard to talk about. And we really, really appreciate you being willing to come here and um, tell us what you're thinking about this stuff. And hopefully our listeners will get some good information. So we just want to thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank Thanks you. for asking. Thank you. We want to thank our guests for being here on the show with us today. And as always, thank you to Jack Genoway for producing this podcast. Especially thank you, our listeners. We so appreciate you. And if you like what we're doing, please recommend ChamberCast to a friend. If you're interested in advertising with us or you have feedback or questions, you can email us at podcast at billingschamber.com. And lastly, be sure to subscribe to ChamberCast wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes because... There's something here for everyone.